0: This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the University of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases? Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall. And the best part? is completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids' calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills, like how to make a sandwich, by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code the Autism Dad to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. This show is inspired by my own personal journey as a full-time single dad raising three autistic kids. It's all about special needs parenting, the challenges we face every single day, as well as some of the things we have to learn to navigate along the way. This season, we're going to put a major focus on empowering and educating parents. We're going to talk all about building a community of support around your family, the importance of self-care, as well as connecting with services and resources that are vital when it comes to raising a child with special needs. So be sure to check us out at listen.theautismdad.com, subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad Podcast, we are going to hear what it's like to to raise an autistic child from a dad's perspective. Uh, My friend Jason Brown is on the show and he is the father to this awesome seven-year-old girl who is uh, autistic. And he's here to talk about his parenting journey and his journey as a father, navigating some of these things and and dealing with the schools and, and accepting the diagnosis. And he's very open and very transparent about this. It was a great conversation. I think it's so important that we share our stories, especially as dads, because we got to keep each other talking. And uh, it really helps other people to listen to what uh, our experiences have been because they can learn something from it. It helps us to feel a little less alone and just a little more connected. As always, if any of you are interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're a mom or a dad uh, or a grandparent or a caregiver, and you want to share your story, uh, email me at rob at the Let's talk about it. And uh, let's see what we can make happen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate all of you. I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Could you take a moment and just sort of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and like your journey so far? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I've listened to a number of your episodes so far, and they all sound great, and I've taken something away from everything I've listened to, so I'm, I'm very glad to be a guest today. Uh, my name is Jason Brown. I am located in upstate New York. I run a recording studio. I do a lot of active things and uh, spend my time in my, my basement for the most part, unfortunately, because <laughs> even when it's nice outside, but... Um, I have an awesome seven-year-old daughter who was diagnosed with ASD at the age of three, and so it's been an interesting four years. We've been through quite a bit, uh, my wife and I, and uh, it's been really important to be a part of different communities, listening to podcasts like this, being a member of different Facebook groups and things like that, and just seeing how other people are navigating this crazy world that really people don't know a whole lot about, especially people who aren't in that world. So Mm
0: -hmm. that's kind of where I am. Well, so how are you doing? I I, want to ask that first, like how, I, I know that it's easy to just say, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's cool. Guys, especially like dads, it's, it's like our default answer, it feels like, even when we're not. So like, are you doing okay? This week
1: I am doing okay. Good. how do you talk to me two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. It uh, would have been a different conversation. This year has been particularly rough for our daughter. Uh, we're not exactly sure why. She does attend a regular public school. She's in an integrated class. And the services that we have in this area are actually fantastic. So she has OT. She has PT. She has a one-on-one aide. There's a special ed teacher in the room. She has counseling. She has speech. <laughs> and so everything that we've needed... We have been given, and we are very, very grateful for that. We haven't had to go through any of these waits that I hear a lot of people talking about, including your most recent guest who was on a year wait for whatever she was with, the services that that her child needed. And again, for, for those kinds of things, we really consider ourselves fortunate. What becomes challenging is when your child ends up in an area that maybe... Not everyone is equipped to deal with or some of the people on the staff are maybe young and haven't encountered some of these things. So recently, our daughter has gone through a phase of outbursts that uh, include yelling and then kind of out of nowhere have progressed to more physical outbursts. So she's done a lot of hitting this year. She's done Mm -hmm. a lot of kicking And that's not who she is when we see her. We don't see any of this side of her when we're at home. She is happy. She's hilarious. uh, She loves coloring. She loves watching TV shows. She loves filming videos and pretending that she's a pop star and riding her scooter. And then we get calls from school that are, well, she's on the floor screaming and she just hit three students and then kicked a teacher in the leg. Wow. So most recently, we got a call from the principal and... I was told, and this goes back to, you know, what people kind of know or what you think people should know. I was told that she might not pass second grade because of these situations. And needless to say, this put me in a very dark place. I wasn't able to do my job very well that day. This was in the middle of the day. I got the call. The rest of the week was pretty much ruined. My wife and I were extremely, extremely upset saying, what what are we going to do? And we had a meeting with her team at the end of the week um, that was scheduled because of these behaviors, and so we went in very much on would it be on offense or on defense? <laughs> Either way, kind yeah. of ready for a battle, you know. Yep. And at the very and it went very well. The meeting went very well, and they were very here. Here's what the plan that we have in place now, and we're going to try these new things, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. and We had talked to some people who we know who work in this field, and they had said, that principal should have never said that to you. That's actually illegal to say. And so at the very end of our meeting with her team, where this principal wasn't, she wasn't a member of that meeting, I said, you know, this has been a really rough week because of what the principal told us about her not passing second grade. And the team just looked at each other dumbfounded. And they were like, we were not a part of that conversation. We weren't told that. And That's not even something that would happen legally. So that was a really rough week that was, you know, rough because of A, her behavior, and then B, someone giving us kind of false information on this subject. And so you have to wonder, was that a scare tactic or was that someone who's kind of running the show who maybe isn't as informed or educated as they should be about this topic?
0: Yeah. Words (laughs) matter, you know. When, when you yeah. are, uh, when you are in the position that we are, we've, we find ourselves in, you know, a lot of times, um, uh, people in that kind of position of authority, uh, it's most, most often I found these people are amazing, right? Like they really, they want what's best for your kid. They want to work with you. They want to all this stuff. Every once in a while you find someone who maybe maybe they're having a bad day or maybe they're just frustrated and overwhelmed and they're you know saying something that they should not say and that and that happens but the but the ramifications of that for a parent like you or myself is fear and uh I mean it, it's it's like anguish because you're starting to think like oh my God, like how bad is this and you know, what are we doing wrong? Or how, like, what do we have to do? And then you just start spiraling, right? And you go into that, like, darker place, I've been there many times. And uh, you're lost, it feels like. And then you find out that there was really, like, we got some stuff to work on. But it's cool. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna just adjust what we're doing and make some changes and everything's going to be fine. Um, And it's part of that sort of emotional roller coaster that I think that parents like ourselves are riding all the time, yeah. whether it's school or doctors or therapies or, or just everyday life, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's, you know, we've
1: gotten to the point where I think everyone has gone through this, who's in any, this sort of situation or really any situation in, in life where the first couple times something comes up, you're on the defense. It's your child. The first time that we had this happen was when she was attending preschool. And after a couple months, the teacher said, you know, we kind of need to talk about Sylvan. And we're like, well, what do you mean? What are you guys doing wrong that she's not doing well here?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Uh, And so that was, yeah. And that was kind of the first thing. And, And then we kind of realized, all right, well, she is a little behind developmentally. And so we had her tested for you know just kind of getting an iep in place and the person said yeah well you know blah 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 this and that and this. and then we kind of realized that okay yeah she probably shouldn't be in this school she does need to go to a more um specialized school and she ended up going to a preschool that had integrated classes for children on the spectrum and other other disabilities and that was a, a good move for her but the first time the teacher told us that we were like ah this is definitely your fault not hers <laughs> So we've gotten past that, and that's why I think this this incident I was talking about was actually even more kind of emotional because we really hadn't experienced that in a while, and we we do know that she can be a handful, but hearing that was a very different type of thing to be told.
0: There, there's a lot of ways that you can say something, and it just, you know, how you say it has an impact, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe they were trying to send a message or whatever— and uh, we just got to be we got to be careful how we yeah. <laughs> how we communicate with parents. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you what. Uh, so, uh, she was diagnosed at two or three. You said three, three. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys notice things like what prompted you to go for the evaluation?
1: Yes, we noticed things. She was behind in everything that she's done. She walked really late. She didn't talk for a very long time. Not that she was nonverbal, but she wasn't saying words. And when she did start saying words, they were not mommy and daddy. It was saying the alphabet and counting from, you know, one to 20 at a very, very young age. And Mm -hmm. then she started singing songs from the shows she was watching. And then it eventually did lead to a little more language, but it was hard to understand. And physically, she did start walking eventually, but just was tripping a lot. Didn't have the balance. And, wasn't really looking at people in the eye eventually. And so it was kind of all of the things that, that, you know, you start to read about and people say, well, have you had her tested for so-and-so? And we're like, no, we don't need to do that. <laughs> but eventually, again, you know, she was, she was attending a nursery school at the, at the age of three. And so that's a pretty young age to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was potty trained, so that was never an issue. She, she did that on her own at a pretty young age. and But then it was really at this school, Where we started, you know, getting more feedback from the teachers and and them just saying how she's interacting socially with people. Mm -hmm. And then it turned into her not wanting to go into big social events, birthday parties or getting really startled, not even startled, just upset at things that weren't in the routine. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we're at an activity and my mom, her grandmother showed up, but she wasn't expecting my mom to show up that would lead to a complete meltdown and screaming, even though there was no harm at all in this situation, right? So it was a lot of things like that.
0: Yeah. What people I don't think understand, you know, I mean, meltdowns are the result of overstimulation caused by whatever, right? But it's not necessarily negative stimulation either. Like you can have, you know, she could have like her fifth birthday party or something and it's great. She gets everything that she wants. She gets all of her, Friends and loved ones are there, but it's just, it's just the, it's just overstimulating. Right. And so, uh, I'm sure she loves grandma, but it's, it's just that outside of the routine doesn't matter what it just, it hits them in a different way. And they have a hard time processing that change. My my kids were like that too. And, and, uh, people would, would misunderstand, I think a lot of that. And they would assume that, you know, the reason they're having a meltdown is because something went wrong and that's not always the case, you know, there's too much. I mean, Christmas was a nightmare. I mean, just things that are, um, emotional and like full of energy and noisy and with people and colors and lights and like, whatever. I mean, it's all, it's just, uh, it's all sensory input and, and they have a lower threshold sometimes or they process it differently. And, and they just reach a point where they just, you know, melt down and it's just not always, a negative experience that leads up to that. And, I, and people don't, I don't think they always realize that.
1: No, they definitely don't. And for her, a big thing for a long time, she's actually gotten a lot better with this particular one, but happy birthday at birthday parties was always a meltdown. And so it took us a while to realize, okay, we're going to leave the room. Let us know when you're going to sing happy birthday. Cause she can't be around for that. And we never really knew if it was the noise or if it was just kind of an emotional song for her. I mean, she's been affected by the, the, for a very long time, right before the credits of a movie would start, she would start the movie over. And it was a combination of not wanting something to end, yeah. but also the credits are where usually some, especially with Disney movies, she eventually stopped watching Disney movies. She's back on them. But the m- song is always very sad. And she would just start okay. bawling at these songs. And so we never knew if happy birthday. was that, I don't think it was, I think it was just more that all these people were singing loudly, but, uh, for a long time. Yeah. We, we couldn't be at a friend's, anybody's birthday party. We don't sing at her birthday. Um, people know that when they come in. Um, so there will be no happy birthday. We let, let everyone know.
0: (laughs) So, so what was, I mean, I, well, I can, I can totally relate to that. My, my oldest was very similar in the sense that like, Um, we had to be very careful with anything like that, celebrating holidays or birthdays or, or whatever. And it was always, um, kind of a stripped down event. It kind of sucked for parents and family members who wanted to like really, you know, celebrate their birthday or whatever the occasion is. Uh, but you just, you know, you learn to adapt and adjust things and, uh, you know, you still get that same appreciation and and experience and make the same memories. It's just in a different way, you know, so I can, I can very much relate to that. Um, what was your diagnostic process like? Was that, um, like how, what was that experience like for you? Like as, as a dad. Emotionally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was rough. It was rough. Um, yeah, we went to, uh, the developmental pediatrician and even, you know, and, I've said this to many people. A lot of people, if you met our daughter, might not think twice if it was, you know, in a social setting or just a couple minutes of conversation. Mm-hmm. And even the the doctor in that situation said, ah, "I don't really know. I'm going to put her in this category." I could not, but I'm going to, and partially because it's going to open a lot of doors for you for services. Mm-hmm. And we are very grateful that she did, and it's definitely the correct diagnosis <laughs> as we've watched her get older. But it was really hard. And it's hard for any parent to get any kind of diagnosis like that, whether it's it's something neurological or something medical or or anything that's going to kind of change the way that you're picturing the future of you and your kids. And certainly our our vision of what's going to happen in the future has changed with her. Um, again, she's in a position where she very well could be living by herself in New York City in 15 years, you know, who knows, but um, it's still something hard to deal with. So, and I think it just goes down to with any situation, if you get a diagnosis of of some sort of illness for yourself or anything else, it's about changing expectations and saying, okay, well, <laughs> this is where we are. <laughs> what are we going to do about it, and how are we going to make the best of it? And you know, people have told us, uh, my wife and I, that she couldn't have been born to a better couple because neither of us get angry. We are accepting of everything she does. We try to help her in everything she does there's you know it certainly added stress um to the relationship and to life but she really is a very funny and intelligent and deep thinking kid and you know i think part of the reason she is that deep is because of the way her brain works Mm -hmm. and i think it's just made her into a really really awesome person she's crazy smart you know good good story about two years ago so she was five she was playing hide and seek with some friends and she started counting, which I thought was just random numbers. And by the third time she did it, I realized she was counting by squares. And I was like, oh my God, you're counting by squares. She was like, two, oh. four, nine, 16, 25, 36, you know, and she's like, ready ah. or not, here I go. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> and I asked her afterwards, I said, Sylvan, what? how are you counting? She goes, I'm counting by squares. Like, come on, dad. <laughs> like, come on. How do you count? <laughs> So, you know, just stuff like that. And she's she's great. But the initial the initial thing was hard. And then again, back to things like this where, you know, every day uh, for, for the last maybe four or five months, I sit here and I do my work. And every time the phone rings, I'm like, you know, jolt of anxiety through my body mm-hmm. because I assume it's the school calling saying you have to come get her or she's getting kicked out or if she hit somebody else. We need to talk about it for half an hour. So that's a a different part of life that again a lot of people don't don't live with. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's I, I can so relate when my oldest was younger uh he had extreme behavioral problems and it was it was like anytime the phone would ring it was just oh, I don't even want to look at it. I don't even want to look at it cuz I know I know it's going to be the school and I know they're going to say come and get him or they're going to tell us something else that they said he did wrong. Like it was, it was exhausting to, to experience that. And then, you know, we moved him out of that school system into kind of what it sounds like you guys are in now. You know, it was a much better fit for him and all of the IEP stuff was like built into the everyday curriculum. And so it was really, it was really a positive move, but Oh my gosh, I remember, I remember those, even when you'd get a break and like they'd go to grandma's or they'd go to wherever and you get a phone call. My parents would start my parents when they would call if, if they had the kids, they'd start off by like, everything's fine, Rob. It's OK. Just catch your breath. Everything's fine. I just want to find out if we can do this or do this or do this. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, just text me. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, I can I can so relate to that. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of a lot of parents can yeah. relate to that.
1: Yeah. And she, she is in a public school. Um, so I think that does make things a little, you know, again, this call from the principal, that's why I was saying, I don't think she might have the proper training or, or modern education in this area. Um, cause the school isn't designed for that. She just happens to have a good team of people within the school in our school district. So there, there are people who are doing, doing good things in the public schools. So
0: how you had mentioned, something that I wanted to to touch on because there's, there's a lot of talk right now about people who are struggling to accept a child's diagnosis, right? Because life is different than what you had planned, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is that they're, they're clinging to that makes it difficult for them to accept this change. What was that process like for you? Did you, uh, it doesn't sound like you struggled with the acceptance part of it. Was it just, uh, like, how did that, how did that work for you?
1: I don't know that I did struggle with it other than just saying, okay, well, this is, this is what we're going to do. And, or, or let me rephrase, every day is still a struggle, mm-hmm. right? It's still saying, okay, we were looking at different schools three weeks ago. Again, I said, this week is going well. How do you, had we done this podcast a month ago, I'd probably have a very different answer, but it's been a good couple weeks. She's had a great week at school so far. So, but we still think about things. Okay, well, summer camp is starting in in two months. So, what's going to happen there? She's not going to have her aid. So, I don't know that there was necessarily this grand, except well, no, there. I I accept it fine, and and maybe that's something that just kind of happened over the first year or so. My wife and I were also able to very openly talk about everything and say what we are nervous about. And I think for a lot of people, if you're on your own, that makes it extremely hard. If you are with a partner who doesn't want to talk about it or wants Mm -hmm. to block it out, that's extremely hard. You're essentially on your own in a different way, but we were really able to work off of each other with this. And again, really just focus on our child. I mean, she's our only one. So it's not like we had distractions of another kid or had been through a different experience before. We are just saying, well, here she is and she's amazing. So how are we going to do the best we can for her? And that's what we've done. And another thing that happens with schools, which I find really interesting, and this goes to a much bigger kind of societal look at this, is just kind of the stigma with things. When we first started going through things like IEPs or I'm really bad with terminology. Whatever they turn into after it's after after it's not early intervention,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they would say, "Well, we can we can do this, but just so you know, that's going to be on her permanent record. Like if we label mm-hmm. her as having autism, that will be with her." We're like, "Well, what's the difference? She's autistic, and we want her to get all the services sh- that she can. Why would we care about it being on a school record?" <laughs> and even now they'll say, is it okay if we put her down for another session per week of physical therapy? Uh, Yes, it is. (laughs) Thank you very (laughs) much. (laughs) Why would you even have to ask? Yes, we'd love more physical therapy for her. Thanks.
0: Yeah. All the help (laughs) and support. Bring it on.
1: We will take, (laughs) but it's phrased in such a way where, you know, my wife and I'll be like, do people say no to this? Do people say no, we don't want that on her record. And therefore we're not going to get any services because there might be some weird stigma attached with it or some kid might find out. Well, guess what?
0: The other kids are going to find out anyway. Cause she's pretty quirky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and well, I do, I do think that there are parents that, that struggle with that because you yeah. have your medical diagnosis then you have your educational diagnosis or your academic diagnosis. And, yeah. um, one doesn't recognize the other, right? So you can have a medical diagnosis, but the school can say, "Mm, we don't see it. And then, you know, you're kind of screwed. But I, I I mean, I've always been of the opinion that like the more help the merrier, right? Like anything that that they want to do above and beyond what I thought they needed to, it's amazing, right? And and, uh, I never understood like, like why would somebody say no to that? yeah I mean, maybe maybe they have a reason, maybe it's that acceptance thing, you know, where yeah. they just don't want to have that label attached, you know, or yeah. um whatever i I don't know, everybody's got their own way of dealing with with this kind of stuff, so i'm I'm not sure yeah but I have yeah. heard that. I've yeah. definitely heard that, yep, yeah, uh, um what is what is one of your the biggest challenges that as a parent? to an autistic child, like that you're, you're dealing with in your everyday life. I know we kind of talked about some of the current things that are going on, but is there like, if that wasn't a thing at this moment, cause it kind of seems like it's sometimes and sometimes not like, is there, is there something or that really just, um, you find challenging to deal with or you wish people better understood?
1: I think it's just the social aspects. It's things like going to a playground. Uh, Going to people's houses who maybe you don't know that well, especially if it's some sort of party where she might have a meltdown Mm -hmm. and we're not at the age quite yet where you're expected to just drop a kid off at a birthday party or something. So luckily I'm usually there, but um, I think the social situations are the hardest. Um, you know, and we haven't had to deal with much more at this point. You know, she's seven. So what? What do we do? We we make sure she's entertained. We hang out at home. We hang out with the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, things are going to get harder as she gets older, and we start dealing with you know other kids in high school or something like that. That's terrifying to me. The teen years. The teen That's years. Right now. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't look forward to that. Um you know, and on that note of birthday parties, I will also point out that we haven't been invited to a single birthday party this year. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's a thing. <laughs> that's also yeah, that's so common. Unfortunately, yeah, it's, no, absolutely. How have the have the and and you don't have to answer this, but but everybody, it, it seems to be a pretty common thing. Have you found the people in your life to be accepting? And supportive or, or do you find people like oh she doesn't look autistic or ooh you know she'll outgrow it or you know what I mean it's a phase
1: yeah. Uh, no the family's family's uh, family across the board has been extremely accepting um, that's good. she w- which again is very helpful and so are our friends we don't have any friends in our life that would say anything like that and they're usually very accepting of her I mean there's always situations where you can tell people are getting a little annoyed. All right. And, you know, everyone will get annoyed eventually. It's like, all right, now you might be kind of faking that crying. Let, let's tone it down a little bit, right? But whatever caused the outburst at first, to those who know her, know that that wasn't just her trying to get attention. And maybe to some family that don't see her all the time, they might still think that. So, um but and then same thing with groups of friends. You know, we, we've gone on vacation with at least a couple other people. And overall, that's gone really well. Um, but again, if, if there's an outburst, then that's, you know, we were at the beach one day and she got stung by like a little jellyfish. And most people would say, "Oh, that hurt!" Cry for a little bit, but that was the end of the day for us. So we had oh, to yeah. jump back in the car and and leave the beach at one p.m. or whatever it was. And it took her several hours to recover from it. And I'm not talking about a big jellyfish; it was like one of those little micro ones.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like my my oldest was like that. He would he had such a a bizarre reaction to pain. Yes, um, he could. I mean, he'd slammed his fingers in a car door before fine. Like I'm horrified. I'm like, Oh my God. Right. And he walks away like nothing happened. Or he'd run into a wall, like just in a dead sprint, bounce back and be totally fine, but gets a paper cut. And it's like all hell breaks loose. You know, everything has to come to a stop and it takes hours to calm him down. And, uh, that's, that, that's, that's, that's relatable. I totally, um, yeah. I've never been stung by a jellyfish of any size, but, uh, it sounds very similar to what my son would, would do at that point. Yeah. Um, what is something that you are concerned about? Like, is there something that you worry about as far as the future?
1: Yeah, everything. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that sums it up. Again, not not
1: really knowing, you know, I mean, I think every parent does, but then you throw in these things where I said, maybe she'll be living in New York or, or maybe she won't, maybe she'll get older and she'll develop some crazy anxiety, depression disorder, which, you know, you see signs of a little bit right now, but again, looking forward to, or not looking forward to those high school days where maybe things really start to get to her. And I really don't know. Um, I can't really tell how how she's going to be, and you know, as like a fifteen-year-old, where where will her brain be, and how will it be working? Mm-hmm. Um, right now, again, she's doing great. She's incredibly intelligent. She does well in academics. She can communicate with people. She's getting so much more outgoing. She's able to walk into social situations. Will she be living by herself when she's twenty? I honestly can't say. I'd love to think she will be, and if i had to say right now will she be yes but again i i don't know so those are the biggest fears um you know fear of of death of both of her parents for some reason yeah <laughs> leaving leaving her alone um again regular parent fears but add in the situation and uh it's a little worse
0: yep oh yeah
1: <laughs> so yeah
0: yep i i i don't <laughs> think there has ever been a parent that i have talked to who is not had that fear, you know, and, and the urgency of that or the intensity of that is higher for parents who are caretakers, right? Like more than what, like a typical parent w- would be. Um, I, 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 I do understand that. Yeah. It's uh keep you up at night kind of thing sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Laying definitely. in bed, staring at the ceiling fan. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have a message or something that you wish I mean, we kind of talked about the social situations, but do you have, um, advice for, well, let me, let me ask you like this. Do you have one piece of advice for parents who, uh, just received a diagnosis for their kid and just feel like their whole world is like crashing around them because they don't understand what it means and they're afraid and they're overwhelmed and they don't really give you a direction to go in. They just kind of like, here's this information you know, good luck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple, couple pieces of advice. Um, First of all, take all the help that you can get Mm -hmm. from any services that are offered. Don't think that there's some sort of stigma. Those services are there to hopefully help you and help your child deal with whatever the situation is. Don't worry about what other people think. (laughs) Especially people that aren't in your immediate family, and get involved with groups where you can talk about it, whether it's social media, whether it's actual in-person groups, which I've actually never done, but certainly part of social media groups, uh, you know, podcasts like yours, listen to them. Do as much kind of learning about it as you can. And I don't mean necessarily the science of it, just learning about what your situation is going to entail, what you can do to help the situation for both you and your child. And just know that that child is still your kid and they're still awesome.
0: <laughs> that's that's I, I love that. That's, uh, you know, a diagnosis really doesn't change anything. It opens doors but it doesn't change anything. Your situation, your struggles, your journey is the same as it was before a doctor says, you know, your child is autistic or, you know, whatever you're dealing with. Um, It just, it's insight and it's context and it's uh, more information to help you, A, be the parent that your child needs you to be. And uh, it, it helps you just to better understand kind of the how's and why's. So I know my kids at times, I'm just like, what are you thinking? Like, what I don't understand. And then it's like, okay, well, okay. I do understand. (laughs) I I do understand. It's an ADHD (laughs) thing or, you know, whatever. And it just, it just, to me, like knowledge is power and it's just knowledge. That's it. Same kid, nothing changes. You know, that's why I don't, I don't really fear the labels. I don't really fear uh, not anymore, anyways. I don't fear any any of that stuff because I don't think it's something that is uh, that warrants that type of yeah. reaction anymore. But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know. Again, when I think one of the hardest things we went through was honestly the preschool story where we didn't really know, or there wasn't a diagnosis. Right? The diagnosis actually made things a little easier because we mm-hmm. could say, okay, well. That teacher was actually right. (laughs) She wasn't just giving our kid a hard time because she didn't like her. There actually is a better place for her to be right now. And getting that diagnosis and having people say, you know, you should go here because they will know how to help with her behavioral things. They'll know how to deal with her situation better. Um, So don't say no to things like that.
0: Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for help, too. I always throw that in because people there's this aversion to asking for help. Like it's a weakness or or something like that, or your burden. If you need help, ask for it. There's lots of people out there who have either been there already, uh, and are happy to share knowledge and experience and point you in the right direction. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask for help. Very, very good advice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate, I love talking to parents. I love talking to parents and I, I really love talking to dads because a lot of dads don't, open up and you're very transparent and honest and and open about what your experience has been. And I think that's such a good example to set for, for other dads. Uh, so I just want to thank you for that and thank you for, for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. Again, you're doing amazing work. I know you've got a lot going on, so (laughs) but it's great. I appreciate it, man. Yeah
0: real quick before I let you go I just want to say thank you for tuning in I I really appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this episode and it has a positive impact on your life because that's what I'm aiming for here As a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdad.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click. It'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.